friends, friends, welcome back to another exciting episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we take the movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, here for a brief introduction before today's exciting episode. Guys, it's official. We're on Patreon. That's right, patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod, the best way to support the show, the best way to make the show exactly what you want and deserve. Every month, you get a vote on our Patreon-exclusive movies. You can get a commentary. You get our new miniseries, Tales from the Griff, about uh, every episode of Tales from the Crypt, coming November with our friend Mike Cloud, who you will hear later today. We're working really hard over there, guys, to make it worth your while. You can even get your own double feature programmed that we'll record for you special. So we are doing the best we can to make that worth your time and money. We thank you so much, those of you who support us. We thank you equally, those who are about to. Uh, the YouTube channel, Film Alchemist, if you want to see our faces, usually, not today, but usually, uh, that's Film Alchemist over on YouTube. You can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. We're on all the socials you're on. We love to hear from you guys. Reach on out. Talk to us. Uh, make sure you're leaving those five-star rating and reviews wherever and everywhere you find the show. It helps us defeat the algorithmic uh, government con uh, contractors, contractors that are con uh, keeping us from giving our bids properly as we want, making us go insane and do naughty things. So, five-star rating review wherever you find us. Help us avoid a Gordo-like destination. All right. Enough of that. Guys, I'm tired. I'm tired. It's been a long 31 days. This is uh, actually the last podcast we recorded of the month. It is not the last you will hear. We have 31 days, 31 pods, as you guys know. I hope you're having as much fun as we are. Again, to get every 31, you got to go to patreon.com slash pod. That's right. Dollars run us. That's how it goes. Um, This was a really special last one to end the month on, guys. So I, uh, I asked my friend Kevin Weinman, right, my old college friend and roommate, if he would be so kind, if he'd want to come and talk movies with me. He then uh, always loves to invite our friend Mike Cloud, who you guys have heard on this. He'll be on Tales from the Griff uh, miniseries next month on Patreon. And then uh, our dear college friend, Heath Benfield, moved back, right? So me and Heath have worked together. Uh, we've known each other since college. Great, awesome, wonderful guy. Really, really great mind for filmmaking, right? Even if we think opposite a lot, um, it's always just a blast to talk and debate film with him. And so I was just sitting there during this show. And you guys will hear I had a little bit of mic trouble. Uh, my fourth mic was not doing its job. Thank God my I have this loud, booming voice from the gods. Um, so you can still hear me, but I'm not quite as loud as you're used to, <laughs> but that's all right. You're going to love the show because it just like I did, right? I just sat there and thought about how lucky I was, um, to at this age, still have friends like this that I've known for so long just to get together with these guys, you know, share a drink, share a ton of laughs and just have a really interesting discussion about movies. And I think you guys will be a little jealous of me, right? When I think you hear that I've just gotten to talk to these guys for 20 years, uh, you'll be jealous of me. And you should be, because these are three wonderful guys that I count myself very lucky to still have as a part of my life. Even more lucky that they come and be on my silly little podcast. Um, we missed Alex. Someday we'll have to rope Alex in and do a, a, a fivesome. But it was a great talk with uh, my dear, dear close college friends. It was a wonderful way to end this massive marathon. We have some awesome movies in store for these last uh, this last stretch here. So stay with us. I hope you guys are enjoying it as much as I am. And without further ado, Session 9 uh, with Mike Cloud, Kevin Weinman, and Heath Benfield. 
But now she has his kid. So what? So you you have to make certain concessions. Like if Amy is You're like, assuming Affleck would be a good loving father? Yes. Potentially. <laughs> I, mean, I have no reason to not assume that. Wait, when do we start talking about session nine? <laughs> <laughs> right now. This is normally what happens. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Welcome to the pod. Uh, I got a cadre of my old college friends here. Would you like to each introduce yourself to the audience so they'll know your timber? Yeah. This is Kevin Weinman. <laughs> This is Heath Benfield. This is Mike Cloud. Glad to be back. Mike Cloud licking his wounds from his fucking thrashing on the Halloween Kills. <laughs> I, I think we viewed that situation very different. I think we have very different recollections of what happened. You got owned, evening. Cloud. You were owned. You got owned. You got fucking spanked in public like an old-timey drunk. <laughs> well, we will, we will agree to disagree. Halloween? We're not going to do Halloween Kills And, and Heath only says that because he likes Halloween Kills. Yeah, like, fucking rocks. We, everyone <laughs> who is smart and awesome and handsome what, loves but, Halloween but, but, Real kills. quick, Kevin Weinman here. Mm -hmm. Are you going to be a tiebreaker? Uh, I've never seen the movie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll, You're I'll, on an I'll, island, my friend. I'll, 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 I'll side with Mike because, you know, there's four of us and that makes it more fun. It, it, that's the smart thing to do. All right. Good thing the entire populace of the internet is on me and Heath's side. So that's yeah, what, that, that, that's what I've seen is the entire populace loving Halloween kills. There's one dude named Derek that said, <laughs> "Yeah, Derek, you <laughs> was right." Lost what I did to you? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, what I love about tonight, right? You guys are part of the October Mega Marathon. Kevin is probably the least horror moving loving of our friend group, right? Yeah, I think that's we're right. converting it though. Like after our talk tonight, like. Kevin likes a lot of horror movies. Yeah, Kevin I, picked I, I, tonight's movie. Would you like to introduce what you picked and why? Yeah, uh, I picked Session 9. Um, the reason yeah. why I picked Session 9 was because of the fact that like, when we were coming out of college, um, it was one of the movies that uh, we, we gravitated to because of the independent feel that it had, uh, the fact that it was kind of – you could tell the low-budget part of it, yeah. but that um, the director had a, a real – it was kind of a passion project and we were, I, I, again, I, I liked the idea of having, uh, when I used to watch it, that there's this uh, movie that it didn't depend on the blood and gore to go mm -hmm. and get it exciting. It was a very mentally in, in a good way, draining movie where you feel yeah. like it's, it's, it, you know, it's a, it's a, it takes a fucking minute, but it, the entire time you feel the build up the entire time. So I chose it because of that and that most people don't know to go out and look for it. So that's true. Cloud, what did you think on your rewatch? I actually it was the first time I ever watched it. I Cloud, had, get closer to your mic, goddammit. It was the first time I, <laughs> I want clear crystal clear evidence of your defeat today. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think we're all on the same page yeah, here. I think we all actually page. really like this movie. Uh it was actually the first time that I had watched it. I don't remember this one from back in the day, so I was glad you mentioned it, Kevin, because the first thoughts when I watched it was like it was just very reminiscent of a lot of movies around that time. Like it's like this, like around the time we had a lot of these like psychological horror movies that I really love, and I wonder what happened to them because I love that type of movie. Yeah, like I mean, everything that kind of basically came after you know Fight Club. We, um, like you had like Identity and uh, what was that? Has Identity Rocks. Yeah, Identity I, I like so Identity. Good. High so Tension. Good, like there was that, that fucking hotel e room e one. Even I, and I know I will stand on alone here in saying I like Vanilla Sky. I know I'm immediately oh, out of here. I'm no, I'm, no, I'm with you. No, right. you're fine. Get I'm the like, fuck I, out! <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No. No, that's, a, that's a three against one on that one. No, I, I agree with you on that. I own the screenplay, even though I hate the movie. Weird. No. But 
Also, for what it's worth, the hottest Cameron Diaz has ever been. And the most terrifying Cameron Diaz has ever worth been. It. Worth it. Totally <laughs> worth it. Maybe we should just pivot and start talking about vanilla skies. But, uh, Not yeah. enough vanilla, in my, yeah. my opinion. I, I, I feel like that'd be like a good, like, for your show, like a good category to like go through but Cameron like, Diaz being attracted movies that and uh, the mask number one and, and like all the Thank movies you. that kind of fall in Thank the same you. umbrella the mask was like a oh my god Jessica Rabbit is real moment for me I remember <laughs> watching that at a birthday party and being like holy shit when when she's at the Coco Bongo yeah she's doing, I mean come on like, it, the I, mask is still one of my favorite movies not apologetic <laughs> but no I think what is funny right is this movie kind of came in this era when we were getting into college and film school not cloud he's a dopey doctor yeah, he didn't well, have a cool major like the rest of us. Yeah. Wasting but, my life. <laughs> COVID agrees. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but one of the cool things was at this point we were getting so much torture porn mm-hmm. in Japanese horror remakes. That was yeah, essentially that was the 90% of the movies we got at that time. Yep. It was cool when one of these snuck through. And I know Heath and I talk about this all the time. We have this checklist of movies we love because you're like, we could make that movie. Yeah, right. There's nothing in this movie that like a really plucky crew of young guys couldn't make. Right? Absolutely. No, you just need a real life mental you need institution. An awesome location. That's yeah. the one. <laughs> well, and, and Heath, you're pointing this out earlier too, but like, um, the he, he the director drove by this place every single day. The, the 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 entire script was built and created based off of the fact that this place existed and everything was built around it. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, it, it was a real location. It was a real hospital, and I think they took a lot of inspiration from the location itself. And a lot of the movie was sort of written, you know, and inspired on the fly. And if you go into the DVD, I remember, so I worked at a video store, and this is one of those movies that, like you said, Griff, Mm. snuck right through. Right. And, you know, this shows up in the mail, and it's like, oh, what the fuck is this? This is sort of intriguing. (laughs) It's interesting. Let's put it in the old player, see what we got. So the, the guys that, you know, worked behind the it was t- a total clerk's vibe right yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> and um uh i wasn't the one who found it so someone else did and he was like oh man you gotta watch this i remember it was this one and uh the movie may lucky mcgee's oh, may. Matt, Dude, it was matt world that told you about yeah, this wasn't yeah, it? yeah, oh, yeah his name's God, matt world. Love matt. and uh he just had a really great eye for this stuff yeah. and he you know, suggested it to me and it became one of those that no one else had heard about it wasn't marketed you know it wasn't i don't think even in theaters definitely no. not um, i didn't see i heard it because it was the same thing right like when you're a horror movie guy or like a heavy metal guy you always like your friends are like trying to find the thing that we had never found yeah and so it was one of those like have you heard of this shit i think i got it back when when me and you lived together in the apartments i was one of i was like day one netflix subscriber like i had the three dvd plan and i think this was one of my like first couple dvds i ever got. was it really uh, yeah because oh, i heard yeah, everyone yeah. be like you gotta see this fucking movie and back then, we had no access to movies outside of, like, if you could find it. And so that's yeah. why Netflix was so cool. I'm pretty sure. The thing I was telling you, which is funny, is I had to rent this movie a bunch of times. I have fallen asleep to this movie, like, 15 times. That's not a shot at the movie. No, I almost fell asleep at it, too. Like, actually watching it, too. It, <laughs> it like, feels it, like a shot at the movie. It's I not, though. Like, like, I used to drink a lot. And so I would come home and be like, I watch that fucking DVD so I can get a new DVD. And I would turn it on, and I think I have seen the start of this movie like 15 times. Today might be the first time. I was literally shocked when the ending happened. Oh, really? And I was like, that is not what I thought happened. Today was the first time you were shocked at the ending? It might be the first time I've ever made it through. I don't remember. How did you used to remember the movie ending? Apparently very little. (laughs) I thought it was a ghost thing, right? Like, I thought that literal ghost came back. 
I mean, I think we can get to that later, but that's kind of like one of the questions. Cloud, yeah. don't host my show. God damn it, Cloud. No, <laughs> not trying to take the wheel. What, See, what, I one... make him a co-host on Patreon, and now he's fucking bossing but, me around. Uh, what, one question I do have, since you were one of the first subscribers in Netflix, yeah. uh, how much did you end up paying for that single DVD to own temporarily? Oh, dude. I mean, because some of them you would have. like You'd be like, this is the one I'm supposed to watch because I'm a film student. I think I had like Gone with the Wind for like five months Yeah, and never watched it. <laughs> yeah, Why was... would you? Yeah, because I was just like, why the fuck am I going to watch this movie? To this day, I've never seen Gone with the Wind. Same. I've never seen it. Um, Someday I'll watch it. What was it? Uh, what was the Vigo Moritzson one that came out after Lord of the Rings? A History of Violence. Oh, yeah. That, that was, was a great such movie. a great movie. I owned that for probably like a year before I sent it back. <laughs> I, 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 I would have paid what? Like $80 to watch that movie? Right. Well, that was the cool thing about Netflix. You could just hold that shit. I know, but like at the same time, you're pissed <laughs> by the time you send it back because you realize how much money you spent. When you could have just bought the damn DVD. Oh, come on. Don't hate on that. I, so No, that's totally my fault. Do you guys think this movie's better now that we are nearing middle-aged? Um, <laughs> all right, so actually well, watching it well, now. What do, you, what do you mean by that? Why does nearing middle-age matter? Here's because the that's thing. I think when I was are? young and watched it, right? Because I think if you have a criticism of this movie is that there's not enough there there, right? Like It, it is a movie that operates on this building tension. I think one of the things I didn't appreciate enough when I was young is the line when he says, I'm just so tired. <laughs> and today when he said that, I was like, fucking preach, dude. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. how I feel every okay. second. So now I'm, I'm nearing 40. I have two kids, right? Yeah. I feel that sentiment. There are days you wake up and you're just like, I didn't get enough sleep for this shit. And that sentiment of being on the edge like that, just because you're like an older guy trying to fucking get the work done. I don't think landed with me at all when I was young. No. I think when I watched it in college, I was like, fucking quit. Quit right. that job. Right? Fucking tell him to shove it. You don't it, quite understand the how, real stakes of it, I think, if you're at a young enough age. How trapped Gordon Just is. Just fucking yeah. trapped. I, I, I think, to answer your question, though, I think that um, you end up connecting with a lot more of the conversations that happen within the um, yeah. movie that mm -hmm. revolve around their lives and everything like that. So it's like... You understand a little bit more about the descent into, you know, their frustrations and what leads them oh, yeah. to doing the things that they're doing. Uh, I, I, but I, I, I don't necessarily think that I was like more connected. I will say this much that I, I felt like this movie resonated more the first time through than the second time through because mm -hmm. I liked being able to be surprised. Right. Knowing what happens the whole time kind of made me a little bit more critical about like how they led up to that moment but i'm not i'm not saying it was bad right but it was like the the act of surprise allowed me to like try and read into a lot more of those right. conversations knowing full well what was going to end up happening yeah the conversations i was i was like ah, these i if anything i felt like they should have dug in more and on gordo's yeah. side and created more frustrated life scenario than just i don't know how far you have to actually go with that i mean <laughs> I, I, so, I, you know, I'm in a moving situation. I'm trying to find an apartment. I, I'm in right. a temporary apartment. My girlfriend comes over last night. She has a key. She gets in. Um, and I, I show up after work and I, I get in. She's making dinner. There might as well have been like a boiling pot of <laughs> water. That's the thing because, about being an adult. There's always a boiling pot. Right. For you. <laughs> I walk in. The You know, the blinds are. She tried to open the blinds on, on the screen. and port. Fucked that up. The blind. I'm like, what the fuck is this? You come over. Dude, I'm telling <laughs> fuck you. Fuck up my blinds. It was just a <laughs> <laughs> my 
my fucking blocks. Like I could, I could hear do it, yeah. do it, Gordon. Okay, this is a real story. I don't know if I've oh ever God. told anyone this because it's like oh one of my God. deepest shames, right? So let's share it on the internet. Yeah, fuck it. That's the reason you have these things: honesty, openness with the audience. Jesus so when we had our first kid, right? We had Hunter. I was so wildly unprepared to be a dad. People who know me really well were probably like, "What the fuck? He's gonna be a dad." You were right. Right. And so the thing is, Amy was working night shift at the hospital. So I'd be at home all night with Hunter. He was a kid who never would drink a bottle. We owned like 50 different bottles to try different nipples. I would try to like put Amy's shirts on me. So I'd have to wear like three of her shirts and like fucking pretend it was my titty. So like maybe I'd spray her perfume on me to try to trick him into thinking it was Amy's titty. Right. You did like the meet the Fockers thing. Oh, absolutely, dude. I almost bought one of those giant fake titty suits, but then it didn't work. So I didn't spend the money. It sounds really sexy, by the way. I'm just picturing you and all this stuff. Almost everything I put on ends up that way. I can't help. (laughs) (laughs) It's my slutty eyes. But no, so I'm I'm sitting there and all night, I was so fucking sleep deprived, right? Because then she'd get home from working nights. She needs to fucking sleep so she can keep going. And I was just working on set. So I was the one who was a stay at home dad. So essentially, I never got more than like a couple hours of sleep at a time. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I'm trying to do the kids so she can like go to work and whatever. There was a night, I don't think I had slept more than like four hours in like four or five days. I was like raggedy as shit. Sure. And I'm sitting there holding Hunter and he's just screaming in my face because he can't eat anything, right? I'm trying to inject milk into his mouth so he doesn't die. And this thought flashed in my head where I was like, if I just grabbed his foot now and smashed him as hard as I could in that bookshelf, he would be quiet. And I fucking set him in his crib and I ran out and started calling my mom. I'm like, I fucked up. Ah." And she's like, did you, what did you do? I was like, I set him in his crib. She's like, everyone thinks like that when they're a new parent. uh, But it's like for one brief moment, I was so fucking broken down. So uh, uh, I just, I couldn't fucking handle it anymore. And this evil flashed in my mind watching it today when at the end he's like, I don't know if it was the dog barking or the kid. I was like, that is so fucking real. A big it's just something I didn't appreciate. A big part of that movie that I heard this time that I didn't hear when I was in college was when uh, they they were talking about uh, David Caruso. God bless him. Uh, David Caruso was talking about the fact that Gordo wasn't ready, mm. right? Like, and I guess I never really thought about the yeah. fact that 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 line was so important to that, where it was like he that kind of led to him snapping where it was like, you weren't, you aren't ready for that moment. Right. And, and so I, 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 uh, being the guy that's about to become a dad. Congrats. Yeah. About to be a dad. When you have those thoughts, just call me. It's very fucking normal. There's so much of this. Everyone just says, just set the kid down and let him cry. Just walk away because you got to take care of yourself. Dude, knowing full well what happens at the end of the movie, every time they went back to where it's like, Gordo, thanks for the roses. And you hear the baby in the background. I'm like, Ooh, goddamn! Like th- this is the this is the trigger the whole time, and it's like so thinking that that in my entire head is like, Heath, to your point when you were talking about like you walk in and everything's been boiling over. This movie does a really good job of just boiling over, Absolutely. but 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 it's like that that moment with Gordo was, uh, yeah, that's that it's it's kind of fucking nuts to think about your breaking point in this. Uh, in we this only have so bad. much bandwidth, yeah, right. right? And if you don't sleep, you're not eating, you're not taking care of yourself. The idea that oh, I will then take care of someone else is fucking crazy. Well, and not only that, your business is going under, and yeah, your right. livelihood, your ability to provide for your wife and your newborn right. is in jeopardy. Yeah, and, and this is your last chance. Three weeks to two weeks to we'll do it in a fucking yeah. week 
with right. like my dumbass mullet nephew. Like, and uh, by it, the way, this is the most inefficient crew. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> none of them are working. Like the whole movie, they're all just like dicking around. Uh, <laughs> I, I am so pissed off that Heath dug into this before I did. It's the number one note I have in this. Yeah. I go, there's no fucking way that they would have gotten this done by no. that next week. They're like, padding a government contract. Did, there was probably next to no work to do. There are, there are. Josh Lucas is just spraying like diddles on that pipe. What the fuck does and that that's, do? And outside of that, and the peeling of the tile is the only work I think we see. When they done. do an aerial view, yeah. this is a, this is the, massive. This has been established as a hospital, as a, as a psychiatric ward or whatever that has a self-contained city. Self-contained. city. That has eight goddamn buildings that could be standing on their own, but are all connected. Mm. All three levels. We've seen there's a second <laughs> level, there's a first level, and there's a goddamn basement right. in where Empire Records kid almost dies. So it's like, <laughs> holy shit, I, that was that the kid from Empire Records? That was it is. Warren. Oh, wow, that's it, the Gore kid. Oh, my least favorite fucking actor of all time <laughs> because of that stupid movie. Go watch Empire Records and tell me you don't want to punch that kid in the face. But. The, <laughs> Shame because Gore a bad name. Yeah, but but Heath, he gave Gore a bad name. All right, all right. So you come, you, you you come from a small town, hardworking people. Didn't it? Didn't it? Salt of the earth. Salt of the earth and gas city. Didn't it make you so irate that the majority of the time that we saw them working was not working? It was taking breaks. Yeah. And then not only that, did you guys not relate to the guy who's just like, I'd rather listen to podcasts. Of course. Like that is such a modern. You know what though? I, I do feel like this movie could just be a podcast. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's so effective what they do with audio Yeah, and the power of suggestion and what's, yeah, what what you're picturing in your mind when you're hearing those tapes i it's that's the horror to me is does this movie work better as a podcast <laughs> than it does as a movie well like because if anything I mean, it took it would it be better to listen to this movie while you're not working at your own job it took me away from the movie every time that they would go back and it, i would see some stupid idiot not doing his job and, why do you think Warno no fucking snapped oh He's my like, god I'm over here busting my hump with a burned off leg yeah he, he killed warren because of the fact god. that he was eating an oreo and not getting the goddamn job done <laughs> I would have been pissed too. Look, let, let's not be unkind to, to visual maestro Brad Anderson no, of right. the Machinist. Yes. I mean, he, oh, he has guy. some a, and yeah. Beirut and yeah, yeah some real visual chops. But would yeah. anyone I, have well, even watched the Machinist if it wasn't for Christian Bale being a skeleton? The the, the Machinist, not Ex Machina. <laughs> putting him together. The Deus Ex Machina was unhealthy body image. It, 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 I, dude, I. I I, I thought the machinist was still re again really yeah. well put together, but it's all about that spit. It's all about this the, is another. It, it's I'm the descent. Myself, yeah. I watched that the whole time trying to finger bang. Oh, so like I didn't. It was a poor choice. It, it, it feels like it'd be hard movie. to like take in. It was not a great that, movie to put on. That's to try a long to get finger bang, by the way. Well, especially that's, with the guy that loses his arm. Than it was. Yeah, Jeez. if a guy loses what? his arm and you're trying to finger bang, what? that's a. Yeah. <laughs> what about? And I was anything like, be that... thankful I have two good ones. Yeah, lady. that was that no. was like that was like me trying to make out during Green Mile. There's certain. <laughs> 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 Got to be able to go. My kiss is like coffee. That's a rough one. That's a. I I have a long. The weird one was we were in college. Every like sexual encounter I had seemed to start with Garden State. Oh, oh my God! And you're like the sweet relief of not having to watch the end of Garden State and get laid. <laughs> <Is it> just, <laughs> just just to get out of watching Garden State. We'll talk about a movie that only exists because of the soundtrack. Oh, Evidence yeah. one is Garden State. I my wife loves that movie, so every now and again she's like, "Let's rewatch it." 
Mm. That movie is... It's awful. It's yeah. so rough to get through. But I, you're like, every song in it is a banger that sure. takes me back to the best times of my life. So, it, I don't know. Just watch uh, so the trailer. It, yeah, that's no, what I mean. Just play the so soundtrack. Just listen to the soundtrack. We do that when we go on road trips. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I have to go back, though, real quick. I, I need everyone's opinion about the work ethic of this crew because it really <laughs> nodded me. Okay, it was less yeah, slow, right? They, they, they are all like extremely either easily distracted or lazy or like pawning off the work on it's the classic it's, government. Because I love the scenes when the podcast guy will come back in and be like, hurry up, I want my bonus. And it's like, all right, let's settle down. <laughs> dude, dude there, was that, there was that scene at the end of the first day where they were like, Great day, guys. We got a lot done. And I was like, like you "Bitch, it's still done. five o'clock. It is light out. <laughs> like two like, thirty. Time to you clock didn't. Out. Yeah, what are you talking? We it gotta get to dark. Cheeseburger in paradise. You're absorbing <laughs> seven extra days of work, and you're trying to say this is a nine to five. Like yeah. you're back in there, man. This like, is our Midwesterness showing. Yeah, we were all raised with that Midwestern. It's got to get done. Get in there. Also, <laughs> is that how also, the real workflow goes? Is like you do like two hours of work. You're like, woo. By, by the way, as, I mean, with my job, yes. As as, as someone who recently lived in the boston area um eastern massachusetts the total lack of dunkin donuts cups coffee cups and uh paraphernalia on this crew can't buy it nope nope they're living off of it at that point it's that's uh that was like my friend in high school i I, when we went to college i came back and i showed him pulp fiction i was like this is a movie you have to see right we're a film student uh and he got so like he was shuffling in his seat he was irately mad and I was like, what? what? You don't like this movie? He just goes, why is Uma Thurman's haircut uneven? I'm sorry? And, like, because one side That's... was shorter than the other, it, like, really pissed him off to the point he wasn't even watching the movie. He was just irately pointing out to me her bad haircut. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't. <laughs> but I just remember being like, That's all it takes. Oh, my God. That's all it fucking takes for a movie to not land for someone. <laughs> That's crazy. Wait, wait. Oh. What are you guys fucking doing? Secret hand signals? I was telling him who it was. Oh, uh, <laughs> we don't need to out him for the whole internet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I, I guess, I guess part of the reason why it was really, like, it, not that it took away from the movie, but that it was so interesting how they went and captured that was that to be able to go and make this big thing about the fact that they've got to get it done in such a short amount of time. Right. It just, I. I know that the the location was super important, but I it was like you could tell that in his mind he probably he probably would have wanted it to either have been smaller in terms of like the place that he's filming this at, or to have more people there so that he could properly represent the fact that the job was getting done. But it's like right off the gate, right out of the gate, I was I was not interested at all. You know what though? I think it about, works in a weird way, right? Okay. Because it gets about to how, Gordo's fucking delusional state. Yeah. Is that he's just like, I'll say we can do this and whatever. You got Josh Lucas and podcast guy and dipshit nephew. Like, there's only two guys working at any given time. Okay. Right? It gets to this. He's like, if I can just make this happen, it'll fix everything else. Right? It gets to his his idea. Mm-hmm. Right? Instead of just, I'll get a normal job and stay at home and fix my fucking family. I think I think it actually kind of worked for me. Right? The, the impossibility of this yeah. job getting done adds to the fucking you know kind of pit in the pendulum over your head aspect of the film. totally because well, uh, there's yeah. no fucking chance this was ever getting done no but it just compounds it though when they're not even trying throughout That's the whole the fucking movie. point though yeah right? no i agree he, with you why, did, why does he still have josh lucas on the crew who's fucking his co-captain's ex-girlfriend and all they do is fight about it yeah which That's bad the, management 
Which, by the yeah, right. And also the fact that you let him just like keep harassing one of your coworkers, like, hey, I'm fucking your girlfriend that you really like. Like, who the fuck does that? Who like goes up <laughs> and is like, hey, you know that girl you really like? I'm still screwing her, and it's great. Like, a what Mander stands by and just lets that keep happening, and b. Who the we hell actually we just goes have out done and does that, that to each other would when we? we were when we were young? If we liked not each other, but like those guys. guys legitimately hated each other. Yeah, they did, they did. But that's what I mean. I th- I think that impossibility sets it up really well, right? It's it's the same thing when you watch The Shining, right? Like there is an impossibility of a happy ending from almost the first seconds of that film, and it adds to that that doom, right? Because like when you watch Titanic, you know the ship's going down. It's a fun ride because you know that fucking ship's going down and all these fucking happy debutantes are going to go down, right? That's kind of how this movie worked for me. I'm glad you said The Shining because I, I was thinking that before we started, mm-hmm. that this is the closest cousin that I can think of to The yeah. Shining, where it really digs into that psychological... I mean, it, it's The Shining light. It really yeah. is. Yeah, it's Midwestern guy, The Shining. Yeah. You know what it, I mean? Yeah. With a, a large boring isolated job yeah i think the only difference is with the main character i mean i i love seeing jack nicholson crack of course right mm-hmm. peter mullen's a great actor but I, it's part of also maintaining the mystery that he's not absolutely insane off the get right so you know you have to have that a little bit and th- this movie if you you know you go into the dvd you'll find that there was a a, a cutout subplot where there was um uh, a vagrant woman, homeless woman that was living in the uh, facility that they were unaware of. And so in, in the climax part where they're hearing footsteps up above. So it's no secret that Gordon is the, the murderer. He, he's revealed right. to be the murderer at the end. So it's kind of like, all right, who, where are these footsteps coming from? Is it a ghost? What is that? Right. Well, they actually had, an answer for that it was this woman who was right witnessing all of this and they cut that out i think smartly yeah to get closer to that shining yeah. aspect of it yeah. what's reality what's not what's in your head does yeah. it even matter because they kind of dabble with that with the two teenagers that caruso talks to by the generator right you're like he was not talking to graffiti artists right i don't know if that was like him buying coke or whatever oh it was a joint it was a joint because yeah. he smokes in the car he smokes the weed he bought, uh, he bought, he bought okay, weed so i was yeah. like for sure he's not talking to graffiti artists right right so there's also this cool element of almost all of these guys are just lying to each other except for josh lucas again who's just the most open wound you've ever seen in a movie but i i think that because even the scene that really got me too was when he, he confesses to Caruso that he fucking beat his wife up, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which well, is just he, a, a devastating scene, right? Because they kept doing that that motif, right? Where he was sitting outside of his house, like, looking in, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Which I liked on this ideal of, like, there's that American dream that I'll never have, right? Like, I thought that was a cool visual motif. I had completely forgotten this whole element of the story. When he unveils what he did... It's bad enough. And then Caruso's using it against him to try to, like, get him ousted, it seems, right? Because mm-hmm. one of the only two guys working, they want to get him out of there. When it fully mm-hmm. unfurls what he did, it's it's one of the most sinister moments in a movie, right? Like, the amount of dread and horror in my body, considering they didn't show us anything. Which is the best part. Right. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It let is. your imagination run with you and fill in those gaps, which is way worse than anything they would have shown you. Well, because there's still this thing where Gordo is running around at the end looking distraught, right? 
So we have sympathy for this family man who's losing it. Had they shown him brutally murdering his dog and baby, that's out. Oh, I forgot right. about the dog. The fucking yeah. dog. This, it's the dog, not the baby. That You're gets right. You. <laughs> well, the baby. Oh, right. The, yel- the little yelp of the dog. Dude, when the baby stops crying, yeah. that is fucking horrifying. Yeah. Again, props to whoever did the sound on this It's awesome. And especially when you first hear that flashback, he's parked mm. out in front of the house. And um, I think you see the wife holding the baby. She walks inside and you hear that smash cut to the generator. It's just a great jump, but it's also a harbinger for yeah. whatever else is coming. Yeah, and it's all done through sound. He was clearly going to get it in. Right. He was yeah. ready. And we've already set up the dread that comes from the tapes. You know, this, again, is a movie that's built around the sound. Well, one right. of the things that I, you mentioned the tapes, I, th- this is more just me asking because I'm generally uh, interested what you guys have to say. How do the tapes serve the movie? What, what, why, why are the, first off, why does that guy keep going back to the tapes? But secondly, what, why do we think that this is a binding agent for this film? Because I think it kind of does a couple things i think it adds a little bit to the mystery of whether gordo was he possessed or did he actually like snap or like you said does it matter is it one the same do we all have this little voice in our head that is just waiting for the opportune time to make us like go over that edge and really hurt people that's kind of the way i took it is the voice that takes over from that woman with dissociative identity disorder when she comes on the tapes it's the same voice that's in her head that's in all of our heads just waiting for the opportunity and that's I think was the most like terrifying thing of this movie. Well, you could also read it very literally that there is an entity named Simon that yeah. lives in this yeah. facility that had, you know, been um, embedded inside of the, this woman, Mary. And mm-hmm. now she's found her way into Gordon because Gordon doesn't kill his wife until he starts the job. I thought it was before he started the job. No, it, uh, it, it's the, the very first night that he comes the day back. He right. the okay. Yeah. And, and the, the end line tips to that, right? Um, I, it's played out on the tape. I live in the weak and the wounded. Sure. Yep. Right. Yep. So, yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of like you said, like the shining thing. Like, right. does, does Jack, like, just, like, go insane? Or does the house possess him and make him do these terrible things? No, his or- kid tortures him to death. His son <laughs> is generating every monster in the shining. Or, or is that the case? That's either because he broke his arm and he was a drunkard and he beat his mom up. So the kid murdered Jack Nicholson. I, I'll have to go back. Rewatch I, it I, I, I and watch that little fucker. From that perspective. Watch that little fucker, dude. He did it. <laughs> do, 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 do we believe, though? All right, so the, the, you kind of alluded to this and I'm, I'm interested where you want to land on it. Is it that Simon is actually possessing, um, possessing Gordo or is it that we're supposed to believe that there's a Simon in all of us that could be initiated? At well, it's, it could be either, which I right. think is the brilliance of yeah. the film. You know, you can read it literally or you could read it as uh, an allegory. And I think a lot of the great movies do that. They, they don't hold your hand necessarily. It's up to you. I am such a hold my hand across the street kind of guy. Like, <laughs> like I want to see the raised s- in modern cinema. Eh? I want to see the spirit go into. <laughs> and Wait, then I'm go like, into him like, like Swayze's ghost. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and then Whoopi, <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, so, so I am always going to be. Yeah. Whenever I'm on this podcast, I'm always going to be the guy <laughs> that is the general fucking public. Like I'm, uh, I'm the person that's like Jesus. You should like come on, yeah. like like ha- have have more fun with it. Well, but I I I, 
again, I love the idea though. When I first saw this, I liked it that much more because I was like, oh, that didn't fucking play it out. Because in my head, I go, this is going to be the same old, same old. We're going through the grudge and the ring mm-hmm. and all these other movies where I'm like, oh, it's a possession. Yeah. And then at the end of yeah. it, it wasn't that literal for us to figure well, out. Well, the, the way I read it is it's the power of suggestion. Mm-hmm. And you, you, if you want to get all inception about it, but that all this starts when what's his name is telling the story about the patient and mm-hmm. the history of the the hospital right and the actor peter mullen who plays gordon this might just be actor bullshit it could be marketing bullshit <laughs> but um he's Your director's said, hatred of actors noted <laughs> <laughs> but he said there was a scene where they shot on top of the roof it was a great of, shot by the way of the I, hospital I, I loved that and he said he literally heard a voice that said jump off the roof jesus and i don't know if that was just extreme method um yeah you know bullshit but or brad was saying about the fact that he was serious but he said that he was yeah so powerfully compelled by some sort right. of force suggesting to him that wow. that's what he needed to do right and i i think that's sort of where they took a lot of their cues with how to tell tell the story so the things that they experienced in real life there in the acting they transferred onto film i don't know apparently wow that's right but i see to me i read this as a completely flat movie right because gordo never heard the sessions right he heard the story about this lady who's like oh they fucking ran a train on her and they were murdering babies and cutting their hearts out at the end he said none of it was true it was like psycho babble bullshit right Literally none of it happened, and they countersued the shit out of the asylum, whatever. Gordo never hears the tapes. I think what this movie really gets at, right? And what Stephen King in his book said, right? There's three kinds of horror movies, right? There's the fear of self, the fear of nature, and the fear of science, right? This, to me, is the absolute fear of self, Mm -hmm. right? Is that you can window dress this movie with the Mary whatever tapes, right? Because that gives it this ominous ghost house feel. What this movie really is is a guy who takes a job knowing that he's at the end of his fucking rope. I think if they had been working at a fucking cheesecake factory, Gordo's still going to kill his family. You know what I mean? And his crew. And his crew. That's that's the window dressing for he is at the very fucking end of his rope, right? And you add the spooky stuff to add, you know some horror movie elements. Oh, it's elements. all flavor. So yeah. you're so you're it's on the all, you're, I, you're on the team I, that there is no possession. There's, there's no, no possession. Sign. Gordo doesn't hear those tapes. I don't think there's uh, anything I, in there. But I, I don't, think Gordo's the one that puts his fucking pictures in that. So, and by the way, it's not that I agree or disagree, but I also don't believe that you have to listen to the tapes for that entity to possess you if you're sure, in that but spot. But to me it's a scarier film if it if it's just real, right? Every fucking day you can find a news story of someone who is at the end of their rope. And it's not a fun journey like falling down. So it's I, just a guy who's like, I'm fucking over it. I don't disagree with you as that being a plausible story. But how would you explain the voice if he never heard the tapes of Simon being exactly the same in Gordo's head as the it was? The same way I heard that voice, right? We all have that. But the, the tone, like the actual voice is exactly the same. So what was but the director I mean, trying to say that that voice is Simon's our, voice? Gordo at that point is our narrative point of view, right? Gordo right. is our fucking gateway into this reality he's not necessarily hearing what we're that's hearing. not his we're hearing what gordo's hearing right and so right? he hears so that, Simon. that means he's again it just says distorted voice right like distorted voice tells him to do this but if you hear it you listen to it it's the exact same voice i mean again i think that's a movie flavor thing we all sure. have a voice inside of us that on date right if you've ever been on the brink of hurting yourself right 
um, every time you fucking eat too much food or smoke too many cigarettes or whatever. We all have those voices that's like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you doing this? I, I think it's it this the reason this movie is actually scary because really there's nothing that occurs in this movie for the most part, right? There are murders that we don't ever take part in. Josh Lucas is walking around and we have no idea what he's doing or why he's saying, what are you doing here? That's all fucking obfuscation or whatever the fuck that word is. Yeah, you got it. Because Kevin always makes us fucking drink before we do this. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love. Yeah. Um, but that's what I mean. It it It's just throwing us, the audience, off, pairing away the scariest fucking thing in our world is another human that decides they're not going to be a part of the social contract. Because at any moment, like right now, I could fucking lose it, grab that pawn shop sword, and kill all four of you. Yeah, I've been staring at that, worrying about that. I have swords all over this fucking house. I got a Thor hammer. There's some hammers and swords all around here. What if I just said, you know what? I had a shitty day at work. I fucking killed you and then killed my whole family. Right. That shit happens all the fucking time. And I don't believe it's ghost or possession. I think the way we live our lives now puts crushing pressure on people. No, which and is, sometimes you just fucking snap. And to me, that's the scariest fucking thing that exists in our world. But how yeah, do you how do you grapple with the fact that Gordon doesn't necessarily seem to be aware of what he's done? Well, I, I think that's Gordo trying to maintain his his idea, right? I think we all try to maintain. I think that's like the Joker thing, right? There are very few people that are out there like I'm going to be the Joker and be this fucking agent of chaos. I think most people think they are the good guy in their own story. 100%. And so I think that is his mind trying to salvage that he is still the victim here. The ego will self-preserve. Even though he is clearly fucking victimizing everyone in his presence because of what is happening to him. I think that's Gordo trying to maintain some semblance of, no, I didn't do this. I didn't do this. Something in the asylum did it. I don't know. I think that's an overread. I, I honestly, I, I I disagree with you. I think I I, I somewhat well, let him agree make with... his point. God damn it! You oh, remember the rules of court? <laughs> <laughs> I, he has the talking stick. Go ahead. Well, I I just don't think it was that fully thought out. I, I think you don't th- see. I think these low budgets like this, especially one like this, I think it's meticulously crafted. You don't think so? I, you made I, way I, more films than the rest of us. What do you I, think? I it could be. I I mean I I don't know. Exactly. I haven't seen the the notebook that Brad Anderson made before. Right. This. It, could, it very well could be, but it just seems more improvisational than that. The whole yeah. way this movie came together. And is this a deep dive study on the psyche of Gordon? I don't think so. I think it's more about the power of of suggestion and sure. the fact that someone can hit their breaking point because it's it's such a thin line. Yeah. And when that's crossed he's I'm going to pull a Dan Dino here and like <laughs> shouts out Dan Dino like fall back and reverse and, and, and reframe. Sorry, Dan Dino. He's, he's always trying to trick me like that. You, you see brother. it too. He's always trying to negate my arguments with his fucking <laughs> clever wordsmithing. <laughs> we love you, Alex. I just feel like, um, the, the movie is more about, not necessarily the character of Gordon, what he's going through and what he's experiencing. I, I think they, they do just enough to give you an idea of who he is and what he's going through. And then everything else is about, you know, how do you um, hold on to your sanity? Mm-hmm. So I think it's just a study of that. Just seriously. Right. Like how much or little does it take to break? 
And you I know don't why think you guys that's are a Dandino saying... is because I'm like mad that I don't have an immediate refutation for that. I think you guys are saying the same, <laughs> almost kind of saying the same thing though. No, like you're, you're, it's both about them like reaching that breaking point, and like and as I suggested, Simon is that manifestation of the violence that is freed when you've had uh, enough of these external pressures put on you, just waiting for that opportune moment. The question is, I guess, is how much premeditation you think there is, right, Kevin? Like, do, do you think that he literally spontaneously snapped that moment? Because this is a question I had watching it today, right? When he's sitting there watching his family from the rainy van, mm-hmm. he just got this fucking massive contract. He could be bringing home an extra ten grand on top of whatever they're making, right? He's got the flowers, but, he's got the cookies. But, he's watching that house, and in my mind, I was like, "That's a guy who doesn't want to be there." Yeah. Right. He, so was he already thinking this before the pot of water? No, I think he was just terrified before he went in because he took on this impossible job. And I still don't get why he kept. Was he like trying to win a bid? Was that why? He yeah, kept he was trying that? to win a bid, or else okay. his company was gonna bankrupt. Oh, yeah. So yeah, he made an impossible. But that's what bid. I mean. I think Kevin Hart did that joke, right? He's like, every dad's had this moment. You pull into your driveway, you look at your house, you see your little kid looking out the window at you, ready to play. And you throw the car in reverse and say, not today, motherfucker. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm going to do what I want to do. And I think that's a – I think this is what I – to my point earlier, I think Gordon was on this path before this happened. I don't think he showed up at the house, though, planning to kill his wife. No, but I think that's the thing. I think it was somewhere in there, and the water became this, you know – Yeah, it was the last inciting like, incident. Over. But, but, but yeah. I think that – I mean, I don't think that any of us kind of – disagree on the fact that there was like a breaking moment it's whether or not there was any sort of ghostly spiritual thing right. that yeah. exacerbated or uh, right. created a, a the, like made it but that's made it mean, actually happen at that you point. could say it's still supernatural even if it's not right maybe gordon yeah. hears this story it, and begins to craft this excuse logic it's what the himself. general audience would want to think like yeah. I, I i don't i don't think that the majority of people that would see this movie would want to try and think about the fact that he this is there is nothing else involved aside from just a man that hit his breaking point because that's yeah. fucking scary and they've got to live with the fact they've the got to live with the fact that that is a thing that could one happen that they start that job from monday yeah the entire movie we watch his wife kid and dog are dead in that house yes they are so but that's what horror does is it takes real life struggles and horrors closer to your mic god damn it puts a little bit of a, a false face on it so yeah. like that's that it, so yeah you p- can put the possession thing in there and it can still be true that that's just right. a representation of his breaking point or it could be a possession right. because that's what horror movies do they they put something fantastical in there to help the audience understand and make it either a conquerable or unconquerable uh uh hurdle for people to overcome or well, to take advantage take take over them and knowing what we know about the fact that there was another character that they totally cut out of the movie that was Oh, the oh that, the, yeah. Right. That that I now. It was like another asbestos. No, that now that <laughs> you you know you read that now as possibly supernatural, possibly yeah. Yeah. in someone's head. No, they literally had a person in there, and they took that out for a reason. Right. So like. So mystery, okay. Yeah. So you're making a movie. Why cut that lady out of the movie? Because it's too much, I think. Be, because leaving it up to interpretation is yeah. much more satisfying yeah. for the audience. I agree. Yep. Yeah. I think, see, I'm the opposite of Kevin. I hate movies that spell everything out for me because maybe this is my ego as I'm like, I'll write a better story in my brain. Right? Right. I think it's fun to do a show like this where you're grappling and you don't know the answers. I know what I believe. 
I don't know that I can make a compelling argument that sways anyone. Well, which is exactly why I say I don't think they spent a whole too much time figuring out exactly who Gordon was or what motivated See, him. You know, you you, right. you did enough already. I, and then it's just a meditation on a theme. So I, I disagree. Another something thing I'm going to throw out there that makes me think this movie was extremely well thought out is the whole I don't think that the uh, mental institution was meant there to like add to the horror or was just like something that they just like picked up at the last minute throughout this movie. And I may just be totally out in left field here, uh, but I kind of get the sense that this movie is well ahead of its time, really had somewhat of a reflection of the failure of our society in addressing mental health. Damn, on dude. People. Are you an 824 exec? <laughs> <laughs> this, I wish if, if anybody's would, hiring. That's uh, <laughs> true. This would be 1000% an A24 movie. Yeah, yeah. So, right. So, they are in this literally run-down mental institution that was abandoned because the government took away the funding, which they address like in the movies. Yeah. Like, society abandoned these people and forced them to go out. And when they come in, like, trying to cook this place, they undermine mental health by just joking about it. It's like, oh, you can come here. You're not crazy, are you? Like, so they make jokes mm. about it. They even get into what was actually, like, a real problem in psycho uh, or psychiatric treatment was planting fake memories in mm. people. That was, like, a real thing that happened. Yeah, yeah, that, and so they that, talk that, about that. that in the movie. So I think there and is, lobotomies. like... lobotomies. Huh? Lobotomies. Right, and lo oh, they get into lobotomies. lobotomies. Exactly. Yeah. There's like, lobotomies there's actually, like, in this like, movie? <laughs> Dude. Yeah. You don't remember that? That's the thing. For a I'm movie that, oh, okay. for a movie that <laughs> I would argue doesn't have much in it. That scene of Josh Lucas just sitting there with that fucking thing in his yeah. eye. Yeah, that's a oh, that, that, that the best. Haunting. The best part is when it comes out uh, and his head just, just falls back. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I, by the way, I, I want to pivot back to this in a second. But before we started, I mentioned that I felt like this was way more of just a suspenseful film. Uh, you called it a thriller. I called it a thriller, whereas you were more. It's a, a horror film. So. I would need to understand the, the so in my head I think horror is much more gruesome, gory, like horror to me is 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 a lot more blood and guts. The majority of the film is not psychological, which I feel like this movie is. So help me understand your interpretation of horror. Well, wait, would you call Edgar Allan Poe a thriller or a horror writer? A thriller writer. Well, there you go. See, to me, this is how I think about it. Right, I remember we had a. Genre studies in film school, right? Yeah. And I think it's kind of the the lowest form of film argument is debating what movie genres are. Uh, right? Because you cannot compartmentalize. You can't, because that's the thing, right? The best yeah, comedies are full of drama and whatever, right? The best dramas are full of comedy and whatever else. Right? Yeah. What I what I think of horror movies are is kind of to Cloud's point. Horrors, horror movies are a destruction of status quo. Mm -hmm. You're watching a movie that uh, a family or someone leads a life that is completely recognizable to you. Yeah. And then something comes in and completely obliterates that. Got it. And you watch people at their baser elements trying to reestablish normal. Is this why Mrs. Doubtfire is a horror film? <laughs> I mean, kind of. Amazing. Kind of. Is she just Leatherface with better voice acting? <laughs> right? And instead of lobsters, it was like the little kid she cooked? Horror sure. movie. Exact same thing. <laughs> but I, I feel like that's a big change. That is it? <laughs> but I don't I, know. He gets mad. He lights his tits on fire. He just fucking bakes <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I feel though that this is a really interesting scenario, just because like I, I think that I equate horror way too much with gore. Yeah. Like yeah. in in that that does not need to be symbiont when it comes to a movie. Like 
and again i fucking hate titles so like that's why i was more inquisitive about like yeah. what constitutes horror no this movie like, doing Rosemary's a- baby has no gore right like right. there's almost nothing in that movie that you would point to and be like that's gory or someone gets fucked Correct. up that is just a movie of imagine you're living your life you're about to start your family you're on the up and up yeah. and then something is taking over your body your apartment your life your husband that's fucking scary to all of us, right? Yeah. Like, that's something you cannot control within your own self, right? Mm-hmm. Psychological thrillers are more trying to figure out, you know, what's happening in my life. But at the end of it, you might still go back to your normal life. At the end of a horror movie, there's nothing left for people. You know what I mean? At the end of this movie, let's say Caruso survives. He's carrying the weight of that his entire fucking life. Right? He's always going to be the guy whose best friend fucking murdered all of his coworkers and his family. Okay. Right? At the end of the ring, just because you fucking make a tape to send out, you still know other people are getting murdered yeah. so that you can live. You know what I mean? That's a destruction of the life you had up to that moment. But I, I, I think the key to horror is there's always the window to the grotesque. There's a yeah. portal to hell that you're exploring. Yeah. That's horror. You could call film noir, you know, you describe it the way that you described Mm. horror earlier. Yeah, that's true. Um, But still noir is different than horror. Right. And maybe it is because it is the disruption of the normal life. Um, You could argue that um, Neff and double indemnity was not a normal guy to begin with. He was looking, he was seeking some (laughs) sort of true. true. Yeah. uh, I did not think we'd get to double indemnity this pod. (laughs) So points to you. (laughs) Film, no, but, film nerd points. But that's what I mean, right? So take, like, what what's, you know, your favorite horror movie, right? Halloween, right? That's a movie where you are literally in the quiet white-topia that you've, you know, created outside of the city, violence, whatever, these suburbs that are safe, and your six-year-old fucking slaughters your daughter, right? Well, hold the on. The exorcist, this force invading your child and completely taking their innocence before they're ready. Right, the but thing. what's the horror element? The horror element in Halloween is the mask. In no, the the element is in in Halloween that is scary is that you're not safe in your own home. This these fucking white fortresses we built in the suburbs are. But not safe. you could have that in other genres. The grotesque is what makes it horror. The mask no. is grotesque in The Exorcist. The uh, desecration of the young girl's body yeah. is the horror. That's right. the horror element. It's a good so, take on that virginal thing that horror used to do, right? Throwing these virginal women to whatever monsters there were. But that's what I mean, right? Even in, in Halloween, I think what is more grotesque is the fact that my seven-year-old up there, I could come home and he's fucking slaughtered his brother, mm-hmm. right? And shows no emotion about it. That is grotesque. That is. You know what I mean? And there, But that's again, not the part you remember, they're, they're, remember about Halloween. The part you remember about Halloween is the guy with the fucking creepy well, mask right. they're, they're, stalking people. Because there's iconography that is bigger and more memorable and fun, right? But to me, that is the – what is fun about a haunted house is seeing all the goofy, scary shit on the wall, right? But what is grotesque is someone leaping out and trying to grab you from behind a curtain. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, when I went to a, a writer's conference, like, you know, that's always, like, the big mystery of – that I always have a hard time answering. Like, my wife, like, hates horror movies. She'll come <laughs> back and watch me watching these things. She's like, what is wrong with you? Like, why do you like this? And I never have a great answer. And so it's definitely disconcerting when I look back on myself. Like, why am I watching this? But I still do, and I still love horror movies. Yeah. I think one of the best answers I had was from a writing conference where they said, in horror, we are putting a face on the things that bother us or are afraid of, and we potentially make those things conquerable. 
So I think horror is like basically anything that puts a face on something that causes us fear. That's cool. And when, you know, sometimes in the movie they conquer it and that gives us enjoyment. And I think some of the best horror movies is when that thing is utterly unconquerable. And like those are the most body snatchers. Yeah, yeah. like or, or like smile when we just saw. Like those things are like the yeah. most disturbing movies to me. Or the thing. Like that's why I think those movies right. are some of the most disturbing. Well that's that what watch. I loved about the ring. I right. mean, the the very end where um, Samza has been, uh, you know, taken up from the well. And I, I called bullshit on that movie when I was in the theater. I was like, this was a great movie up until this point, you know, <laughs> because I think I had seen Stir of Echoes, right? And yeah. Stir of Echoes, you know, the, the, the haunting is exercised because they found the trauma. They solved the mystery. Right. And the, the spirit can be laid to rest. And I thought the same thing was happening in the ring. And I was like, oh, this movie is fucking over. I was ready for that uh, crane out uh, of the mm-hmm. well to go roll the credits. And then it kept going. I'm like, oh, it's still going. And then when it became, you know, oh, when you that, shouldn't that, have helped when her. That right? kid, yeah. when Dude, that that's one of the that, great. Oh, yeah. so what that, a great that was turn. one of my favorite movie moments because I saw yeah. that at the theater at Ball State. I got in my car, drove all the way to Lafayette, and called my best friend who hated Pulp Fiction and my now wife. And I was like, meet me at the theater. You have to see this movie. And we went you, to the midnight. You watched it twice in one night. Twice back to wow. back. I drove an hour, almost two hours to go do that again because I loved it. But I think that's what I loved about The Ring, right? I think there is this kind of nonsensical element in a lot of horror movies, right? Where it's like, you know, this house is clean. Right. right. It's like, no house is clean. No human <laughs> being is clean. And I think that's what's fun is... I I am always fascinated. I don't know if this is just me, but I'm fascinated by true crime and all, you know, I love the Dahmer shit. I like seeing what is that fucking line between I'm me right now, but a week later, if I have a bad week, I could be doing something horrendous, Mm -hmm. right? And then horror movies give you a safe space to grapple with that stuff. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to go out and how, like be face to face with the Dahmer to see how far you are off you are from that. That's what I mean. That dude. point, like we're all you know, you're in the safe zone. Well, imagine still. all of a sudden, right? Your your kid gets run over by a bus. Your wife's fucking some guy with three times the dick you have. <laughs> you know what I mean? You lose your job and you're just like, that's it. I'm gonna go fucking you know twisted metal people in my car and kill myself. Right? Like that shit happens every fucking day. And none of those people probably woke up like a month before and were like, I'm going to be this fucking horrible monster. So it's like the the Joker theory. Everybody's one bad day away from... I mean, maybe. But I think that's the thing, right? The Joker's been made this cartoon character but I mean, like, that's who, like, 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 loves the fact... There are so few Dahmers amongst us. Right. There are way more people that lose their shit and just kill their family in their house. So to bring it back to Session 9... <laughs> <laughs> what is... What, what makes Session 9 horror? I think that's the thing, right? The fact that Gordo is an aspirational character, right? This guy who comes to America, he builds his own business, he's got a wife, a kid. He's doing everything right, as far as we know, right? There's hints that, like, maybe there's other shit on the side that we don't know about, right? He's doing all the shit that our dads did and told us that we were supposed to do. It's not enough. It's not enough, right? Like, when Stephen King said the real monster in Amityville Horror is capitalism. It's almost the same in this movie, man. Just you do everything you can. You give every single thing you have to it, and it's not enough. That scares the shit out of everyone. Right. So, yeah, it is uh, it is an interesting thing to look at because, as we said, you know, uh, it, it, from my opinion, you know, horror is something that puts the face on the thing that we're afraid of to be conquered. So is that thing Simon? Is that thing the guy who loses it and just snaps and starts killing everybody around you? 
Or is that thing the real life expectations that are on us that are sometimes impossible to live up to? Or is it mental illness? Like, I think there's a lot of different things in this movie that actually make it a horror. I don't know. I think horror is just more based than that. Horror is the thing we don't understand. Right. What is everything that we're scared of? The unknown. Right. What is unknown in this movie is maybe you hate your family, but you got to pretend like you don't. Maybe you hate your fucking job. Right. Maybe you hate your fucking coworkers. And I think what or, is scary or is, is the unknown that all of us could be Gordon. Right. That's right. exactly right. Or that we could be susceptible to that sort of break. Right. Yeah. And so, that's the thing. Everyone in this room, hopefully none of us will be a Netflix special someday. <laughs> Everyone in this room, that could happen. I can just see the line grippy. <laughs> that's true that's true some young actor just chomping at the bit to play me in a Netflix show. i'm just saying i can dude, see miles teller oh how dare you how dare you Ooh, who would i want to play the serial killer me i don't know jack black yeah <laughs> that'd be good he's well, like you know like, what jack- i'm trying to get this oscar this year <laughs> jack black were like a foot taller and so you'd have to be uh vince vaughn followed by jack black you fucking piece of shit. No. Uh, <laughs> but that's what I mean. I I think, you know, and that, again, I think it's become this kind of like horror cliche, right? The Spielberg thing. What is scary is how little we see. Mm-hmm. That wasn't always the intent of that movie. They literally couldn't build a fucking robo shark that yeah. was efficient, right? Had they been able to fucking accomplish that, we might have seen that shark 50 fucking times in that movie. You don't know. But... Um, I don't. I don't think it's too far. I mean, it worked out the way it was supposed to work, right? Right. I mean, Jaws is like one of the best movies yeah. ever. And well, Jaws is a, a, a take on Duel. Yeah. Right. I mean, they're not too far off. But do you ever see the driver in Duel? No, because again, that's fear of nature, right? That is the fear of an unstoppable force outside of us coming to get us. This is this is Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde, because right? that's what. That's the theory, right? Is that the three horror stories are all a take on Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, Frankenstein, and Dracula. But in horror, there is always some unseen. Right. And some unknown. Gordo goes to work Monday and acts like a normal dude. We don't find out till when? Friday? Actually, I forget how many days had passed. I think it wasn't many. Yeah, four or five days of him just working. His nephew trying to like get on with him, right? Everyone trying to pretend like shit is normal. His fucking family and dog are rotting in that house. That but, is an unseen unknown. But keep in mind, we don't know that as the audience as True. we're watching this for the first time. So the horror is what is out there? What is the threat? What What is um, plaguing this team, th- these asbestos guys? Is right. it, uh, it It feels like a haunted house movie. Right. Well, I, I, I think that one of the things I did like about it was because every single one of them through a very basic life that they're living – could be the person that is effectively snapping at any point and mm-hmm. they kind of built each one of their reasons and stories sure but as you're mm-hmm. watching you don't know that's where it's going you don't know that it's leading. did you think there was like a supernatural I, I, force when you I, were watching it? all right like, so I'm so sorry. that that's a very good point though i i wanted it to be a supernatural force because right. that's why i've been pre i guess predisposed to thinking which is like when i see a horror movie that there's something bigger than just the person that's going on that leads right. them to doing what they're doing, right? right? So while the movie was going on, I was like, well, this is an indie film. They're probably leading me towards the path of one of these fucking guys is going to have a, a, a moment, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Because like 
they they were trying to build up the fact that the lawyer had lost being a lawyer and now is mm-hmm. doing asbestos. Uh, there's the kid that this is his first job. He's a little off kilter. There's the fucking uh, uh, drug drug addicted. Yeah, there's a there, there, there's a dude that wants to get out of this and you know go gamble or whatever the case might be. And then the guy that hates him. Yeah, and uh, stole his girlfriend. So everyone's got this part where there's a trigger that could lead them to doing something that wouldn't necessarily be their thing. So to, yeah. it, I, when I saw it, I wanted it to be like one of these dudes gets possessed. So, right. But, because but, we were also introduced to Simon, who because, is this obvious, obviously well, also, Freddy Krueger yeah. killing your kid is less scary than cancer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's easier for us to put that on. Right. Mm-hmm. One of the things I kept noticing was when he was just calling his wife and she wouldn't answer. Dude. Much. Yeah. Th- th- it was that, very, it's a red flag. And at the end when he calls and he's like, I'm so alone, I want to come home. Did this yeah. come out before? That's s- fucking brutal. Was this before or after six cents? After, uh, after. after all right because yeah. i'm i'm thi- there were definite moments by the time it got to the third act where i was like she hasn't said anything yeah and yeah. i felt like it had triggered me to be in like the scene he was sitting fuck, at the cemetery crying yeah and he's just like we're both so tired i and i just you know i mean yeah. to me that and that his is phone's most, broken yeah dude oh at the end i forgot his phone is like fucking hollowed out and shit yeah yeah i mean oh that's as yeah. devastating as it gets so like the phone wasn't even functional immediately regrets what his id wanted to do yeah there's no fixing that that it's fucking terrifying that's what i mean i think i think the the horror of this movie settled on me more now as like an older dad Uh, than it did as a kid but it's also doing horror movie things you have that whole shot of the wheelchair just overturned spinning Mm -hmm. the push in i mean it, it is teeing up the audience to tell them expect horror stuff well even when caruso walks in the room with his knife out and he has a mean look and then later we see it and he didn't have that look right because gordo is our fucking point of view and he's fucking losing it he's not a a reliable narrator anymore but what i i love about this movie and the way it approaches it is that it's like the um pills in your mashed potatoes right yeah it's going to present you this thought-provoking meditation on mental illness Mm -hmm. in a horror movie context and uh, there wouldn't be this much conversation to be had if you didn't you know (laughs) and you didn't take us through it with the horror vessel right Right. so so yeah another like way i appreciate this movie because like now i think we're lucky we get so many good smart horror movies and yeah horror movies were entertaining but I don't think the smart ones were few and far between. I think this is actually one of like the really smart horror movies. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up that opening scene because I watched that that where it comes in upside down and then flips over. Yeah. You see that a lot now. In 2006, like you guys were the film guys. Oh, this well, was 2002, I think. Right? Was when it, did this or, come yeah, out? Yeah, mid early 2001. Well, 2001. I'm sorry. 2001. 2001. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, in 2001, how often did you see that type of scene now a lot? But back then, how often was that type of shot used? Well, also just to get a little film nerdy here, I believe this was the first fully digital movie. This I thought that was one, close too. No, it's 100 percent correct. Uh, it, no, they, wow. This and 28 days they, later they, came out, and we're shooting on like all digital. It was really? a Sony 24P HD video. Yeah. Uh, which oh, basically, like, yeah. When, when you watch 28 days later now, you're like, what the fuck were they thinking? Well, it allowed them to use a lot of natural light. Yeah, that's the thing. Movies. At the time, it felt like you were in a real 
scenario. Right. Because it wasn't clean. It was so fucking dirty Mm -hmm. and visceral in how it moved. And I think that's what gives this movie its underground feel, too. Was Blair Witch not fully... I guess it was too early for fully digital. There were some 16mm. Yeah. 8mm on that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I... Again, that, that shot, though, right, is kind of interesting because it's the movie telling you right up front. It's a horror yeah. film. It's an mm-hmm. inverted reality. Right, yeah. yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, expect the unexpected. Yeah. You, it's not going to be what you think you're looking at. But it feels so innocuous at the start because, to your point, you're like, oh, it's going to be a haunted house movie. Yeah. And when you realize that Gordo's the haunted house, it's extra fucked up. Yep. But is The Shining a haunted house movie? I mean... Potentially. That one shows you a lot more manifestations it of does. outside stuff. But, like but, when that dude in the dog it, mask is blowing the butler, you're like, what the fuck? It's it's more haunted no house because it's more haunted house because of the fact that it straight up is trying to tell you that the the house itself and the spirits themselves are but affecting. I don't think it's too far apart with the introduction of I Simon agree. and the tapes. Yeah, and I agree. See, I still think... I, it's I still just more tongue-in-cheek. I just think it's more I think Danny was red-rumming his dad. That's, that's an interesting theory that I've never heard, but totally plausible considering he has you that... think with med- The Shining he couldn't voice no, right, fucking... No, you're, I, I don't disagree with you. It's actually an interesting theory. Why was theory, the guy I getting think... the blowjob still wearing pants? Because it was a kid who didn't know what blowjobs were. <laughs> he How just told his mom and dad. He interrupted his mom and dad, and he's like, I know that's a sexy thing. Didn't you already do a Shining podcast? Yeah. And I, I expound on this theory yeah. that I think Danny did it 100%. I, your audience doesn't need to hear it again. We'll yeah. listen back to the fucking podcast again. We're somewhere so Stephen King is cursing me as much as Kubrick, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, the, and the chompers on Shelley Duvall with uh, a, but, a uh, Dude, MVP is, for oh. cigarette ash in that movie. <laughs> but, like, but, as a smoker, I wanted to smack the screen and knock that ash I say, like, it's like two inches. So how does that translate into, uh, not to get too sidetracked, but just a side thought, how does that get... We how are a podcast track- that never sidetracks. How, how does that Jesus like transfer Christ. into Dr. Sleep then if Danny... Well, you don't fucking bring the sequels in. That was an unplanned <laughs> sequel That's when true. he wrote it. That's true. The, so uh, this is just getting... Kind of just getting back to the more meat and potatoes of the movie. What do we think of the actual acting in the film? What do we, what do we think is awesome. That's yeah. the MVP of the movie. All right. Maybe the sound, as Heath said earlier. Well, pe- but the uh, actor... This is the hard thing about making a, a low-budget film like that. Like, me and Heath are always talking about going out and making a film. Are we going to be able to find five actors huh. this good? Like, no. The, there's the, no chance. <laughs> but the, 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 this this film, is, aside from the lawyer guys, filled with, like, those guys. Yeah. Like, Paul Gilfoyles. Like, a bunch of awesome characters. Yeah. 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 Hold on, though. Can huge. we at least audit the Caruso? Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> is it is, is it brilliant or is actor. it bad? I don't know. Uh, it's, so I've always... I've never been a, a, that much of a fan of Caruso um, as an actor. So oh, I that, think he's great in this, but that, that sure, line is so that, bizarre. That, right. That, you know what? I, I felt like that was a real artistic direction that he took in that one. Uh, which, by the one way, of those where you're he, in a fight, you don't know you're in a fight, but you want to do something. He did, <laughs> he, he did ad-lib the, um, where he's uh, taking a draw off the cigarette, and I think he's on the it's roof. the joint. Uh, or the joint, I'm sorry. And, 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 and he said... Uh, what is this? Things are going to get messy. Things are going to get dirty. Yeah, something think, along those yeah, lines. Yeah, I think messy. Yeah. They, like, oh, it, this is going to get bad. This is going to. Oh, that's going to get bad. And yeah, that was just him saying that. That wasn't the script at that moment. No, so, like, I don't know if the I'll, audience I'll is going to be following us. I better put a fucking. Yeah. But, 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 but like, put, put but, some foreshadowing in there. It's it's crazy though that an actor like Colin, like, and by the way, he is he's he he's in the new Lord of the Rings. Uh, he plays uh, Durin, uh, right? And um, oh, he's fantastic, and he was yeah. great in Westworld, uh, and he was great in Ozark. Like that dude is just 
a fucking amazing actor. It's just crazy to think that like he's not he's never been the the guy that carries a show yeah. or he's never been the focal point and like this movie was the first time I've ever seen him as being like the main driver of the entire yeah, story. And even with Josh Lucas who became like a leading man, they literally just seem like normal dudes you've worked mm-hmm. with. Yeah. You know what I mean? They 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 just have this real authentic vibe they capture. Yeah. And a lot of that's probably helped by having this amazing location, but it it just feels like a real fucking slice of life. Uh, except like for- even his wife and their fucking kid in that shitty swing in the yard that looks like something you would really see it's not churched up like yeah. a lot of movies are yeah. the- and I, I think that just fucking grounds it to where it's so fucking terrifying any movie that has Brendan Sexton though can do without Brendan Sexton <laughs> uh, m- 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 maybe it's just because I'm still salty about Empire Records the slander continues. Uh, it, 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 it'll At never end made him the mullet headed dipshit so, of the movie yeah, yeah. So you, yeah. You, you liked half the cast essentially I mean, I think that's, that's like point. Uh, no, 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 right? no, no, that's no, one no. out of five. I'm sorry. I don't like those people as actors. I didn't hate them in the movie. That's different. Got like, it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's not like they didn't deliver on 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 right. this film. But I also would have been very excited if they had found another actor to go and carry that part because I would have liked it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, any teenager. You didn't find it cathartic to see him get fucking chopped up for Oreo eating. I thought that was super cool. I also <laughs> love the molted guy who comes in to replace Josh Lucas' character. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what is that? Really Fezbender? Fezbender, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's had a uh, like a horror renaissance. He's in a bunch of shit now. Oh wow! So yeah, he, he's like he, a beloved horror institution. I didn't know that he. But was even a that scene, player. just imagine being that guy. That's scary. You show up to work Monday. You're like, hey, what's going on here? Are you guys doing a prank with that fucking target? Yeah. Oh god, no! No, I love the sound he makes when he gets the lobotomy. He's yeah. like, because ah! well, he he sees it and doesn't immediately run, and Gordo just kind of slowly grabs him, and you're like. That's how people are. The Gordo grip must be something that's impossible to get away from because I'm like, just bro, grip. just roll. Yeah. Like the Gordo grip. <laughs> the fucking 5.5 iron grip of Gordo. Not that Larry Fassbender like the mountain or whatever. Like, it paralyzed him. Like he couldn't move. I was like, flail. Like do yeah. something. It's not like he's, he's got he one arm. It. He's just got he a bear hug. It, yeah. <laughs> he's like, ooh. <laughs> What's happening next? Me, Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> Take me out. I hate this job too. <laughs> Been waiting for this. <laughs> Sweet <laughs> release. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I mean, to me, this is you can hold against it the kind of low budget trappings of it, right? Yeah. But again, show me a movie with this kind of setup that does more with its resources, right? This is one of the most highly efficient horror movies mm-hmm. I've ever seen. Yeah. yeah. It gets a fucking ton of mileage. Look, it's a of lot of little. a lot of mileage just out of the the tapes, the stories yeah. that are told there yeah. with the uh, the Christmas uh, massacre yeah. that happens. Mary with... fucking slaughters her family. Yeah, yeah. I mean, dude, it I... really burrows in and, and gets under your skin yeah. in a way that you know just a campfire story would. Yeah, uh, that's horror. I hated, I hated the, how the sounds from that were so distorted. How the doctor would get warped when he was asking questions yeah. like on those tapes and just the responses he would mm-hmm. get. Like uh, I, th- that was a very, yeah, I guess if I was looking back, that was the disappointing part about the fact that there wasn't some sort of that, that tape wasn't directly involved in the killings where it was like, it was either a possession or the fucking woman was doing it because like those were so impactful during yeah. the film that I wanted it to be, basically the thing holding the knife at the end i think mm. it, it it still might be though that's right a, yeah. like that's kind of the oh, clue I know. Yeah. of the second act correct yeah you yeah. know even if it's not the hammer it is simon by another name 
Yes, right. Without without those tapes, this this movie probably crumbles in the second act. I, totally. Yep. Like that that is our care. Like even Josh Lucas, they had that wonderful shot right where he's finding the coins and he's walking down the hallway. The camera cutting to like that strangers on a train thing, right? These two colliding forces running around the corner at him. And that great sound effect. Yeah. They're like whoop. Yeah. It was fucking yeah. awesome. But is that enough? I, Listening to those tapes, you're really fucking sitting in it. And it establishes the tone for the rest of the movie. I've never I've never probably enjoyed a horror movie as much as I did and by the way, I'm not saying it's a horror movie. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I've never probably enjoyed a horror movie as much as I have with this one that had as little jump scares. This yeah. wasn't this There's was not a jump scare in the whole movie. This was not predicated on the fact that it caught you by surprise. This yeah, is right. absolutely a scenario where it's like you are affected just by what you're seeing and what's happening, not by the fact that the director did something really clever in the moment and caught you by surprise. Yeah, it gets I under like. your skin, and those are the best ones. Yeah, right. Even the kid getting caught as the generator's dying yeah. in the underground trying to outrun the lights, Yeah, that's yeah. fucking terrifying. It's, a lo- it's that long shot. And then he shot. finds the light, he's just fucking chugging asbestos. It's, it, it, that scene is fucking scary as it, shit, and nothing happens. The, and there's nothing that's a jump scare about it, because you I see know. it happen... It, uh, Literally, it's a giant hallway, and you see it happening. <laughs> there is no jump at that point. So I, 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 I did div- give her the tip of the cap to that, where it's like every movie that you see now. And by the way, I'm not poo-pooing it because I, I love jump scares, but it's like everything lives and dies off that. Like, like now, where it's like you, you see The Conjuring, and that movie is incredibly scary, every but it's also movie very fucking is all jumpy. jump scares. Yeah, and you can you can get someone in a theater by playing something at a decibel level that my body has to physically react. Yeah, right. But well, I don't carry the nun home with me. It, it it does something though, akin to a jump scare, and The Exorcist does this too, which are hard cuts yeah. with sound effects that uh you know that patch the cut. Yeah, that are very abrupt and disturbing. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that affects me more. What affects me more than a jump scare is a is a steady shot of seeing something impending. The Exorcist yeah. Three. Mm-hmm. That is the greatest jump scare of all time. Yeah, because it's like five minutes of nothing before, it, it, and it's right. ju- you're just you're just watching fucking people waiting. with their boring ass jobs. Yeah, it, I love that. <laughs> that is, when the there, camera flies in, you're like, oh shit. Because I the the the, the wait for it is yeah. just so that shot in The Strangers. I've never seen The Strangers. Really? I still got to work my way through it too. See, I I that's one I of those have not. I don't think is scary. But my wife's like, you're fucking crazy. I'm that's not mentally prepared movie. for it. Everybody talks about it being yeah, one of yeah. the scariest movies of all time. I'm just like, dude, I got swords. I'm, I'm a big enough guy. I'll take my fucking chances with yeah. those three masked people. I, I actually think the sequel's far superior. Really? Oh, dude, yeah. Pray at Night? Is Pray that at what Night's it's called? Fantastic. Oh, my God. That is such a fucking brutal sequel. It's great. It doesn't have that thing at the end, right? You were home. Right. But it, it fucking gives you the blood and guts of like, oh, yeah, that would suck to get fucking preyed upon. It's in the first one, they're just like these kind of like two little ladies and one kind of big guy teleporting around. The second mm-hmm. one, it's like they're showing you in full detail the carnage yeah. they are causing. Right. Yeah, that's a great sequel. All right, out. who wants to take the final pitch, the final love letter to Session 9? Pointing to me? You're yeah, up, Heath. Definitely pointing you have been right. voted. Kevin picked it. He so. introduced me to it. So. Okay. No, I, I, I think it's one of those films – horror films that was an early um recognition that it that psychological horror is maybe some of the most um impactful ways to uh oh fuck i'm gonna i, I need to totally start over on this 
No edit, rewind but you it. can go. Rewind. I want people to see how bad the start God was so they can it, soar Griffey. with you as you complete it. No, I'm just kidding. I'll edit it myself. There you go. Send it to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He's so launching this like in 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I think what I appreciate, appreciate most about Session 9 is it's totally accessible as a horror film. Because it burrows in, it gets under your skin, it gets into your brain. And as we were talking about before, it's a horror film, but it's not blood and guts. It's not gore. I mean, this was the movie that I could show anyone. Yeah. Any date that I went on in high school or college, this was the movie. This is a good finger-banging movie? <laughs> well, we won't get <laughs> What was the other one? Machinist. Oh, Machinist. Don't Brad, do that, guys. Brad, Brad, <laughs> Brad that Anderson. That is a terrible sexy night movie. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, but it, it's, yeah, it's one of those movies that just lingers in, in your mind. Yeah. And it's 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 hard to shake. Yeah. For sometimes reasons that you can't even understand or explain. Yeah. The Shining does that um, to a more explicit degree. The Exorcist does that. And I'm not putting this movie up there with those. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it it necessarily stands at the same right. level, but it gets close. Yeah, without all the muscle behind it, it's pretty fucking close, man. This movie dramatically overachieves. Yeah, and I I just think that's cool, man. And I think horror is one of the great low budget genres. Yeah, because you can you can almost not affect an audience in any other genre as much. Like if you make a world-class comedy, there's still a huge amount of people that won't think it's funny. If you make a really fucking good, subtle, small, scary movie, it works almost across the board. We're all afraid of the same shit for the most part. And so I, I think this is like a, a great example. And now, like you said, we're getting so many of these kinds of movies, these heady, low-budget movies that are using their limitations as creative jet yep. fuel. Um, yeah, I think this movie's astounding. And yeah. the practical location makes it absolutely authentic. The location yeah. is stunning. Yep, for sure. No, you I'm have glad something you want to say? You want to say something, don't you? I was going to say, I'm glad you guys made me watch it, because <laughs> it, it was a great movie. Is it better or worse than Halloween Kills? <laughs> Far better. God damn it! No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> are you, you going to argue that Halloween Kills was better than this movie? Yes. I, oh, I would a, say it is. You guys are full of shit. You guys <laughs> that's it. I'm going to turn the podcast off. I'm about to go Gordo on class. <laughs> or Gordy the Ape, one of those, those fucking murderous G words. Uh, all right, guys. Thank you for your time. Kevin, thank you for the pick. No yep. worries. Good pick, Great. man. All right. You guys have to come back. That's the new rule. Yeah, we'll this go. was fun. Yep. We'll have uh, to pick a new movie, and yep. we'll just start doing this on the reg. Yeah. Uh, yeah really excited about it and thanks for having me and uh, yeah. uh i i think uh the next time around that uh, harry and the hendersons yes oh please there you nailed go. it we're, we're are, are we still doing horror movies that that hit <laughs> october will be done you guys are officially the last recording of our 31 pod marathon Woo! Woo! so this was a great way to end all right guys uh you have more to listen to we are done recording but you still have more to listen to uh so i hope you're enjoying it as much as we are bye see ya